If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1. The title of my message this evening is Your Father Who Sees, and um, I'm booming out of my uh, fallback. Your Father Who Sees. Matthew 6, verse 1, following. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honoured by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. When we look at the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest themes in the Sermon on the Mount is living life under the watch of your Father in heaven and making decisions and taking actions not because of what human beings will think about it or for the reward or the applause that they will give you but simply to live life contemplating what the Father thinks about what you are saying or you are doing. Three times we have this phrase in the Sermon on the Mount, your Father who sees. So when we give, we don't make a fuss so that men and human beings can see. But it says, verse 4 of chapter 6, so your giving will be in secret. People don't see it. But your Father who sees what is done in secret will, will reward you. Then in verse 6 about praying. But when you pray, go into your inner room. There's no other human beings there. Uh, but your Father is there. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And then we, we can move to uh, verse 18 talking about fasting and it says don't show off in front of people and verse 18 so that your fasting will not be noticed by men but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you this is one of of, of the greatest principles of Christian living that we live in the light of the fact that our Father is watching and our Father is seeing, even things that other people don't see. But most human beings live in the light of what other human beings are seeing. This is why often we, we, we find ourselves presenting an image 
of who we are. We put our best face on because of what people, what we want people to see about us. But you know, the Father sees us with our worst face on. And so this is important for us. When we think about the Father is watching, the Father is seeing, as I was thinking this through, it reminded me of, of the joke, which you probably heard, but I'll tell it anyway. Uh, and the joke is about a thief, and he breaks into the house in the middle of the night. Uh, there's no one there, it seems, and he's got his tar torch, and he's looking for something to steal. And he comes to a, uh, a cabinet, and in that cabinet, he files, finds a jewelry box. He opens the jewelry box, and he begins to shine his light in to see the jewelry. And as he does this, he suddenly hears this phrase, come to, come to him, Jesus is watching you. He stops. He waits. He doesn't hear it again, and he thinks he must be having a flashback to his Sunday school day, some religious conscience in him speaking to him. So... He, 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 he gets back and he, and he gets the jewellery and he shines it on it and then he begins to put it in his bag. And the second time he hears this voice, Jesus is watching you. Immediately he turns his torch round to where he hears the voice coming from and a birdcage with a parrot is illuminated. And he looks at the parrot and the parrot is simply staring at him. And so he says to the parrot, did you say that? And the parrot said, yes. <laughs> and so he said to the parrot, what's your name? And the parrot said, Moses. <laughs> and the thief said, what kind of people call a parrot Moses? And the parrot replied, the kind of people that call a Rottweiler Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is watching you, you see, Okay. It's a warm evening. Anyway, I liked it. I liked it. Jesus is watching you. Thank you. It's better than that. <laughs> All right. Now, that's sort of like Jesus is watching you. Be careful. And, and I suppose we can, we can say, oh, God is watching you. And it's the worst thing you should say to a little child, you know, God is watching you, as if God is about to send a lightning bolt the moment they, that they do something wrong. But here in Matthew, it's talking about the Father who sees. I think one of our main problems in Christian discipleship is that we forget that the Father is watching and taking note of everything we say and everything that we do. He, he is watching and looking at our lives as if we were the only person in the world for him to look at. And, uh, and, uh, and in the Sermon on the Mount, this theme of the Father watching, but also the Father rewarding, is a very strong theme here in Matthew. Firstly, I want to talk about the Father who sees your character. The Father who sees your character. The Sermon on the Mount starts with what we call the Beatitudes. Uh, and uh, Jesus begins in verse 3 of chapter 5, he says this, and notice as we read this, that there are type of characteristics that bring with it a corresponding reward or blessing. So, blessed are the poor in spirit, why? For theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, why? For they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, why? For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? For they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful. Why? For they shall receive mercy. 
Blessed are the poor, pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? For they shall, they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Why? For your reward in heaven is great. So, this Beatitudes is really another way of talking about the fruits of the Holy Spirit found in Galatians 5, or another way of describing the type of person that would, would have the attributes of love found in 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. But have you noticed that the characteristics that are to be formed by the Holy Spirit with our cooperation in our lives, that each one of them has a corresponding blessing. Or can I use the phrase reward? What is this? Well, this is, this is what the Sermon on the Mount is talking about. It's saying, the Father who sees your merciful attitudes towards people and your merciful acts, he will reward you with his merciful blessings and his merciful acts. Uh, a person that, that mourns, mourns because of a sinful fallen world, God will see your godly mourning, and he won't just leave you mourning, but God the Father who sees your mourning will comfort you. So in each one of these phrases, we see an attribute, a characteristic of a spirit-filled Christian. We've got Dr. R.T. Kendall in the house this evening, and um, uh, he's written many books, of which most of them I've read. But if you were to say to me, there's only one book that you can keep of Dr. Kendall's book, of, of all of his many books that he's written, it would be, without doubt, his book on the Sermon on the Mount. It's thoroughly transformed my mind and my heart about this teaching of Jesus. And one of the things that hit me when I began to read Dr. Kendall's book was the way that he said that the Sermon on the Mount is a blueprint for spirit-filled living. A blueprint for spirit-filled living. In other words, this is showing us the type of life a spirit-filled person will live. And one of the key attributes and characteristics of a spirit-filled life is that we live our life in the presence of the Father, in the fact that he is watching. Your Father who sees your character, he will reward you. Great will be your reward in heaven. Who's going to give you your reward in heaven? Your Father. Secondly, your Father sees those that bear his likeness. Sees those who bears his likeness. Well, what do you mean by like this? Well, there's a phrase, isn't there? Like father, like son. Or you, you, you can look at uh, a father or a mother's daughter or son and you can say, you know, they're just like you. Maybe they're just like you in their features, but also they say, oh, I can see your father in you or I can see your mother in you when they're referring to your character and the way that you deal with situations. Well, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 43, it says this, You have heard it that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, like father, like son, like father, like daughter. 
For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? It's that reward again. Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore you are to be perfect or mature, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So here again we see it's the Father. It's loving your enemies. Why should I love my enemies? I need to destroy my enemies. Well, why would I love somebody that doesn't love me back? What will I get out of that? Uh, why would I pray for those that persecute me? What will I get out of that? No, I will love those because they will love me back. I'll be kind to those that are kind to me. I'll be a friend to those that are a friend back. But if they don't reward me, if I can use that phrase tonight, if they don't reward me, if I, if, if I love and I'm not loved back, if I'm a friend and I'm not giving a friend back, then I don't want anything to do with them. I'm too busy to waste time with people that aren't going to give as well as receive from me. Well, that's the side of attitude. And what the Father is saying is don't think like that. If we truly want to step out in new levels of loving and giving and praying and caring, then what the Father is saying, do it to people that either won't give you anything back currently or can't give you anything back. Why? Because then the only person that can give you anything back is your Father. So in other words, we're beginning to live our lives not from, for what we can get from other people, but let me put it bluntly, because of what we can get from our Father. And what the Father wants to give us is some good things. Now I'm not talking about the reward of heaven, because heaven isn't a reward, is it? Heaven is a gift. Heaven is a gift that comes to us through faith in Jesus who died for our sins so that we can have the gift of eternal life. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. None of us could get to heaven as a reward for our works or our actions. Forget it. No one's good. No one, not one, seeks God. But Jesus has died on the cross, God's only Son, so that we can just gratefully say to him, Yes, Lord, I believe you died for me on the cross and that you rose again. Thank you for the free gift of forgiveness of sins. Because I believe in you, because I believe you died for me, I know now I will go to heaven. Okay? Nothing to do with reward. But we're talking about what we do after we get saved, when we know that we're going to heaven because of Jesus' work. Do you know what? We, if you're a Christian here tonight, do you know, you are Jesus' reward. Think about that. For the joy set before him, he endured the shame and died on the cross. And everyone that believes in him and receives his forgiveness, they become his reward. Isn't that wonderful? But we too, the Father is looking at us, and the Father wants to reward us. He wants to bless us. Blessed are the merciful. Why? They shall receive mercy. It's full of this in the New Testament. Give, and it shall be given to you, running over. So, and you will 
reap. And we're not just talking about if you sow to the flesh to sin, you'll reap from it. But if you sow to the kingdom, don't weary. Keep sowing those kingdom seeds of righteousness and one day you will what? Reap a harvest, a reward in this life or the life to come. We've been dealing and talking this evening about the terrible events of this week. And uh, one of the things that we really need to understand is that this life, this short life, is just a prelude to what happens after we die. Again, I've spoken about RT once today, but I want to speak about it again. A tract that we have. And if you want to have one of the tracts, we'll have them out uh, on, the, uh, on the desk outside. And uh, even if you're a Christian, you want to have one, you can take one. You might want to give it to you. And, and his tract is all about what happens to you when you die. In other words, what, what, what would happen to you if you died tonight? Do you know whether you would go to heaven? And he's told the story about how when he wrote this track that we use in our evangelistic teams now, that the publishers queried it thinking he must have got it wrong because uh, Christianity is surely about all that you get now. But Christianity starts from what happens at your death backwards. Once you understand and appreciate what happens when someone dies and how to know that when you die you will go to heaven. Once you understand that, you can now properly understand what your daily life here is like on earth and how brief it is. It's like a mist in the morning that's gone by the noontime. It's like the grass that's here today and gone tomorrow. It's like a flower that fades. We need to start with what happens when we die. Are you ready to die? Now, I mean that. And you say, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, please, we'll be giving you one of those tracks at the end. Read it. Ponder over it. Because you'll find that once you're ready, in that sense, to meet your maker because you've had forgiveness of sins, then you'll be free to live your life here on earth as the Father wants you. So we've seen the Father who sees your character. The Father who sees his his image in you through love. What about the Father who sees your good deeds? We read this at the beginning. And uh, it spoke about, you know, when you do give, give deeds, don't practice your good deeds for the rewards of other people, but practice them for the reward who will get your Father who is in heaven will give you in chapter 6, verse 1. So when you give to the poor, don't do it so that other people... You know, some people, when, when they give... Uh, and, or, or companies when they give, often, not all the time, but often when companies want to give, they want their photo opportunity, don't they? And that photo opportunity is normally the CEO or one of their representatives, and there they are, not with a cheque this size. I don't know what sort of checkbooks these CEOs carry around with them. They need a lorry to carry them, because the cheques are about this, this wide and, 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 and this long, with a number big enough that any camera could pick it up. And there they are. And they've got their, their, their check and they're handing it over to the uh, things. And uh, there they are. Well, I'm not criticizing that at one level, okay? I'm not criticizing. But that they've, they've had their reward because they've stuck it in their magazine. They've got it on television. And everybody's applauding and saying, well, that's a nice company to work for. I am not having a go at them. I'm just saying 
that that is not the attitude of a spirit-filled believer who is looking to do things for the Father. In other words, if they give a check to a charity, it's, I'm doing this because I love you, Father, and really, although I'm giving it to the charity, it's an offering to you. Do you hear what I'm saying? And the Father that sees, he will reward you. Why? Because the Father is a jealous God, and I mean that in a good way. And when we say, Father, this is for you that I'm giving this, helping this person, it's for you, then he takes that as worship and he blesses. But when it's like, well, it's for you, Father, but really we're doing it so that people can praise us, the Father says, you know, that wasn't really for me. That wasn't really in the light of the fact that I'm watching and I'm seeing, but you did it really because of others. We also see this in praying. The Father who sees your good deeds, and we could extend that to, me, to everything that we do that are good deeds. How about the Father who sees your spiritual worship? And then we see this picture of praying. And again, I think you've already getting what I'm, at, getting what I'm speaking about. Don't want to push it home too much. I think you've already got it probably. But, you know, praying. Now, when we say praying, not just praying, but worshipping. All forms of spirituality. Or we see later on, fasting, the idea of fasting, of sacrificing spiritually for the Lord. Prayer, these things are together. And uh, Jesus is saying, do these to the Father. Do these because the Father is watching. Don't do these to impress other people, to put on your best Sunday Christian face, or your best cell group meeting face, and, and, and you pray in a way that people applaud, or you give the impression of spirituality, uh, and, uh, but the, the concern might be, I don't want to be tough on you tonight, it's been a big week, but the concern might be that your, that your or my spirituality is only a public one. It's possible that Christians only pray when they're in church. It's possible that Christians only worship when they're in church. It's possible. It's possible that Christians only act in Christian kindness when they're with other Christians. It's, it's possible, but then when they're with their wives or husbands or children, it's, it's a different matter, but then it's not open to the public gaze. There's a possibility that our spirituality is, uh, is skin deep. Not even that. It's makeup upon our lives. Our spirituality is makeup upon our lives. And people look and they see the makeup done very well. And they say, well, isn't that wonderful how spiritual? But in the secret place, the Father is waiting. You hear what I'm saying? Your Father who sees. But also I want to say this as well. It's your Father in the Sermon on the Mount who sees your need. Who sees your, your need. Six, Matthew 6, 19, still the Sermon on the Mount. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In other words, we should be storing up rewards from the Father that only the Father knows, that only the Father sees, that are in secret, but we know that they are credited to our service for him. Rewards in heaven, and uh, many, some of those rewards in heaven trickle down to where we were in earth. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Then we have this passage in Matthew 7, very, very well known. 
For this reason I say to you, verse 25, do not be worried about your life, about what you lead to your drink or your body. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They, they, they don't sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father, it's him again, he keeps popping up in Jesus' greatest sermon. It's your heavenly Father's popped up again. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not worth much, are you not worth much more than them? How can you add one moment to your life by your worry? And why are you worried about clothing? Look how the lilies of the field grow. They don't toil or they don't spin. But God who clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, and thrown into the, tomorrow is thrown in the first furnace, will he not care for you? Seek first the kingdom of righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then we come into a section later on of, of prayer. And uh, ask and keep asking. Seek and give. Seek, keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Not just asking once, not just uh, knocking once, not just seeking once, but a continuous knocking of prayer. And it says that you will find, the door will be opened, you will eventually receive. And the reason being, it's the Father again. What father amongst you would, when his son asks for a loaf, would give him a stone? Or a fish would give him a snake? Or... or, or um, Fish, stone, stone, what am I missing? Yeah, well, what man is among you who, when his sons ask for a loaf, will he give him a stone? Or if he gives him ask a fish, he'll give him not a snake, will he? I'm thinking of Luke. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, here he is again, will your Father in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? And in Luke's version, what God is giving that's, that's the best thing that you can ask him for is the Holy Spirit that works in our lives. So I'm going to bring this to a close now because I think I've made my point to you. But this is one of the most important things that you could grasp in your life. That the decisions that you make and what you do, you do it in the light of your Father. My last illustration... There was a time, a number of years ago, it was after I'd read R.T.'s book, so I was thinking about these things, when I had to deal very firmly with a, a very difficult person that was completely out of line. And so I arranged a meeting to meet with this person, and uh, the person was so out of line that it was going to be quite easy to uh, rebuke them and put them in their place. And I began to think about doing things in the light of the Father and I thought to myself, do you know what? This meeting, the Father is, go is going to see. It's not just me and this person in a room, but the Father's going to be in the room too, and he's going to be watching, he's going to be seeing, and he's going to be seeing how I deal with this particular situation. And so in the room, I put out the chair for the person, the chair for me, but just to help me, because this was new in my thinking, I put out a chair for the Father. And then I invited the person in, and I thought, you know, I'm going to give this per I know there's issues to be dealt with, and I, and I was going to deal with the issues, but I'm going to deal with these issues as if how I would want them to be dealt with if I was in his shoes. 
and I'm going to, I'm going to be given the best opportunity to, to deal with these. I'm going to try and win him. I'm going to try and deal with the issues. I'm not going to shy away from the issues, but I'm not going to make issues out of the issues. And then if it all goes wrong, it won't be because of me. It won't be because of me. And so I brought the person in, and we began to have the discussions. And it could have gone wrong, but it wouldn't have been my fault on that occasion. In fact, it went very well. And the reason was, when it comes down to it, was because every time he was talking to me, out of the corner of my eye, I could see that chair there. And in my mind, it was the father is watching. After that meeting, things got better. And, but even if it hadn't got better, even if I had then to take the next step of, of discipline because the person wasn't responding and that next step of discipline would be a next step to try and help them, do you understand? Uh, I went away and I had a sort of like feeling inside that, well done. I saw what you did. may not have been perfect, but I was watching. And I felt a sense of satisfaction that nobody else knew but I knew that the Father was watching and I knew that in that instance I had pleased him. In fact, knowing that was almost its own reward. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Your Father who sees, he sees your needs, he sees, he sees your pain. Remember these things. He sees your heartache, he sees your fear, he sees your struggles. He sees those and he loves you and he cares for you. He sees you at your best and he loves you. He sees you at your absolute worst and guess what? He loves you just the same. But also he wants you to live in his presence, if I can use that phrase. He wants you to go to work tomorrow if you're working and to know that the Father is watching. He wants a heightened conscience with the help of the Holy Spirit that the Father is watching. It, it will change so much of your life, your thinking, your words, your decisions, and it will bring a great blessing into your life. Finally, is there anybody here today and uh, you know that you need that gift I spoke about earlier, the gift of forgiveness of sins. We're going to have those tracks outside from Dr. R.T. Kendall. Anybody who wants one or two, you can have them. And they expand what I'm talking about here tonight, about are you ready to face your death, which will come to all of us sooner or later? What would happen to you if you died? Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Do you know that you're going to heaven? Well, you can know right now, because all you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus did die for you and rose again. And guess what? You've just received the gift of forgiveness of sins. Sometimes we say, God, do you even know what I'm going through? Do you even know what I'm going through? I believe there's someone here tonight that may be going through a divorce. It may be the beginnings of a divorce, it may be the ends of a divorce, but there's a divorce situation that's going on in your life. The Father sees what's going on and has an interest in it and wants to help you. If you need prayer tonight, we'll pray for you.
The Father sees what you're going through. The Father sees those of you that have got problems in your in throat areas, and uh, uh, I see throat areas, vocal areas, glands in the throat areas. The Father sees people that are um, suffering in those areas, and we'd like to especially pray um, uh, for, 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 for you tonight. Father sees somebody, uh, I believe, that may have um, uh, some situation going on in Spain with relatives or friends, a sickness or an illness, perhaps, and there's something going on in Spain, and you're here, and you're concerned about it. The Father sees we want to uh, pray with you if, 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 if that's if that's you, you tonight. Just give me a few moments. Just give me a few moments. If your name is Caroline, you're going through a difficult time. The Father sees what you're going through. He sees everything, but he wants you to know he's seeing what's happening. You're not alone. You feel alone, Caroline, but you're not alone. The Father is with you. If you're here, we want to pray for you. If you're watching on the internet, because you may be there, understand. Email us underneath the screen. We'll pray for you. You're not alone. People that are suffering, who have suffered miscarriages, the Father sees, he understands, he saw what you went through. He's with you then. Your child is with him now. And he wants you to know that he sees and that he loves and that is not the end of the story for you. The child is with him, and he has plans for you. We want to pray God's healing in your life this evening. People that are suffering eczema, skin irritations, we prayed for this actually a few weeks ago, and someone came back and said that somebody had prayed for them, and um, they got healed the very next day of something that had been with them for uh, quite a long time. So if you've got skin problems, the Father sees, and we're believing, we would like to pray, 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 pray for you. Someone's grandmother is very ill, and the Father sees, and the Father wants to give you the strength to minister into that situation, and, and, and the wisdom to deal with that situation of that grandmother that is ill and needs care, Father sees the situation, wants to help you in that situation. We want to pray, um, pray, pray for you. Somebody, it's gone wrong with your mortgage. It's gone wrong with your mortgage, or, as well as, or, or, or it's gone wrong with your flat or the place that you rent or your contract uh, you, you may be renting and you've been told that you have to leave in a short amount of time it's this type of area I'm feeling you know it could be a mortgage it could be your rental agreement it could be this accommodation situation it's all it's all gone pear-shaped well I believe well the, the father sees the situation that you're in and we want to pray for you in that situation amen now, the Father sees everything. I understand that. 
sometimes through a leading of the Lord, he can put his finger on something that he wants to touch today, a today word. 